Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Saturday Burnt Toast and Coffee Show with apologist William Hemsworth on the Four Persons Network. William is passionate about teaching the faith. He is a convert that attended a Baptist seminary. He is a father and a catechist that will encourage you to live the faith, evangelize, and defend it. To call into the show, the number is 515-602-9655. Once again, the phone number to call into the show is 515-602-9655. Good afternoon out there. Good afternoon, four persons fam. My name is William Hemsworth, and welcome to the Burnt Toast and Coffee Show. You know, I got a strange message of the day. They said, while you're doing the show, asked me, they asked me, while you're doing the show, do you actually drink coffee? Yes, my friends, I am drinking coffee. I just took a, a sip, and I'm drinking out of a coffee cup that has a very important message. It says, every good and every perfect gift is from above. And that's from James chapter 1, verse 17. All right. So today's show, we are continuing on uh, with our journey through the Didache, which is the ancient church manual, um, very ancient. It was written in the first century, while at least one of the apostles was still alive. Um, and for those that didn't tune in last week, I just want to do a brief recap. All right, so again, written in the first century, but it, it went... After 1050, it kind of disappeared for a little bit, and there was a uh, Greek Orthodox metropolitan um, who actually rediscovered it in, in, in a Greek text called the Codex Hieroslolomitinus. And I know I probably butchered that thing. I butchered that name. But thanks to that um, Greek Orthodox metropolitan, we have this great text for us here. And for a little bit, it was actually considered scripture. So our, our, um, our Ethiopian Orthodox friends actually have it in their Bible. They consider it as part of the canon. Now, we don't, but it is a good thing to help us understand the code of conduct that the early church had um, for its members. And so... Um, the first couple of chapters of what's called the teachings of the two ways. So there's a way of life and there is a way of death. And so last week we went over the way of life. And so the way of life is talking about, you know, love God who made you love your neighbor as yourself. And really, it really goes, it's really a summary of what Jesus told us on the sermon of the Mount in Matthew chapter five. And so, Today, we're going to continue on in chapter two of the Didache, and it's very short. It's very short. Um, so chapter one, for example, was 23 verses. Chapter two is only seven, but they are hard-hitting. And we're going to spend a lot of time on one particular clause in this. So that's where really most of the show is going to be. So, the Didache chapter 2, this is the way that it's, the teaching of the two ways continued. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, and this is the second commandment of the teaching. Now, let me read verse 2, because this may sound familiar to you. 
It says, you shall do no murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not corrupt boys. You shall not commit fornication. You shall not steal. You shall not deal in magic. You shall not do sorcery. You shall not murder a child by abortion nor kill them when born. You shall not covet your neighbor's goods. You shall not perjure yourself. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not speak evil. You shall not cherish a grudge. You shall not be double-minded nor double-tongued. So let's go over some of those. Do no murder. Obviously, that's, that goes back to the Ten Commandments. So both the Old and New Testaments contain things about this type of behavior. There's two things in here um, that specifically are not mentioned in the Old or New Testaments. Although you can make the argument that they can fit into some of those commandments in the Ten Commandments. Okay, One of them, you shall not corrupt boys. And the second, you shall not murder a child by abortion, uh, nor kill them when born. And, of course, you know, we, there's a whole modern controversy on whether abortion is murder or not. And for the record, it is. But um, it's kind of sidestepped here. It just has its own category of acts that are not to be done by Christians. Now, this is very important here. Remember, Christians as Christians, we are set apart from the world. This is written in the first century. And even in that time, pedophilia abortion and infanticide were common practices in those times just like they are today so this is one way in which the didache speaks to us today if you're a christian again this is written in the first century it's telling you if you're a christian you are not to do these things or you are outside of the faith did you hear me Pedophilia. Pedophilia. Very heinous. And to be honest, nothing angers me more than that. Okay? Um, I mean, don't worry on those other things. But you're taking a child's innocence. And they're going to carry that with them the rest of their life. And it's going to cause all kinds of massive issues. And should a professed Christian, or God forbid a priest do that, and Lord knows we know about the sex abuse scandals, right, my friends? How many people have left the faith because of that scandal? Now, I'm not excusing that, but they were scandalized because of that stuff. Now, infanticide. There is a push in a lot of states here in the United States to legalize abortion up to the time of birth. And there are some states that say if a baby survives abortion and they're alive, to give them no health care so they would die. That's infanticide. This is something the Didache is teaching against. Now, while we're on the topic of abortion, let's talk about um, how it was viewed in the Roman Empire because it was actually very commonplace. So it was... It was practiced on a regular basis among the poor, uh, slaves, merchants, and even the royal classes. It was, it was considered amoral. Now, that just means that there was nothing in Roman law that said it was wrong. Okay, and Tertullian, um, the uh, great writer in the early church, 
he writes about it. He, he writes, quote, among surgeons' tools, there is a certain instrument which is formed with a nicely adjusted flexible frame for opening the uterus, first of all, and keeping it open. It is further furnished with an annular blade by means of which the limbs of the child within the womb are dissected with anxious but unfaltering care. Its last appendage being a blunted or covered hook wherewith the entire fetus is extracted by violent delivery. There is also another instrument in the shape of a spike by which the actual death is managed in this furtive robbery of life. They give it from its infanticide function the name of Ambrose Factis, which means the slayer of the infant, which of course was alive. And that's from his work titled A Treatise on the Soul. And it's from paragraph 25. This is, Tertullian wrote about this in the second century. Remember, the Didache was written in the first century. So the Romans agreed with the Greek view of abortion. And some of the most eminent and respected Greek philosophers encouraged and condoned it. Aristotle, for example, encouraged abortion because he feared population explosion. Does that argument sound familiar to anyone listening? That is a big argument that we still hear today. But in the days of Caesar Augustus, so from 27 BC to 14 AD, he knew by census that the population of the Romans in the world was declining. So he had tried to curb uh, lax morals and encourage marriages by implementing a law in 18 BC, making adultery a crime. And then 27 years later in 9 AD, he enacted Vex Papia Papea to promote and reward marriage because the number of Roman men who were unmarried was greater than the number of married men. And so he blamed the low birth rate on abortion, homosexuality, um, and on men who preferred sowing their wild oats in single life, if you will, who didn't want the responsibilities of married life and children. And so Caesar, um, he saw lax morals and birth rate as a threat to the Roman state, and he actually addressed this problem in the forum. Okay, this is what he said. He praised married men for, quote, helping to replenish the fatherland, for it is there. Anything better than a wife who is chaste, domestic, a good housekeeper, a rear of children, one to gladden you in health, to tend you in sickness, to be your partner in good fortune, and is not a delight to acknowledge, and is it not a delight to acknowledge a child who shows the endowments of both parents to nurture and educate it at once, the physical and spiritual image of yourself, so that in its growth another self lives again. I love you and praise you. That's what he said to the forum. And he goes on to say, he then went over to the other crowd of unmarried men. Oh, what shall I call you? Men? But you are not performing any of the offices of men. Citizens? But for all that you are doing, the city is perishing. Romans? But you are undertaking to blot out this name altogether. You are bent on annihilating our entire race and upon destroying and bringing to an end the entire Roman nation, you are committing murder and not begetting in the, most, in the first place those who ought to be your descendants. Moreover, you are destroying the state by disobeying its laws 
and you are betraying your country by rendering her barren and childless. For it is human beings that constitute a city, not houses or porticos or marketplaces empty of men. Powerful words from the emperor there. So this low birth rate was threatening the nation. Um, so when you think about that, some of these, some of the tools that were being used were very similar to the ones being used today. But I want to read another quote, and it's from the early Christian apologist, Minixius Felix, who lived from 150 to 270. And he's, in, he's indicating, he's indicting the Roman gods. So this is what he writes. I see that you expose your children to wild beasts and to the birds, that you crush them when strangled with a miserable kind of death. Those things that surely come down from your gods. Saturn, a.k.a. Greek Kronos, did not expose his children, but devoured them. And that's from Octavius Paragraph 30. So this goes back to what is written in the Didache, the prohibition against Christians uh, murdering. So thou shalt not murder a child by abortion or kill them when born. Even Josephus, in his writing called Against Appian in 80 AD, he writes this. The Mosaic Law, moreover, enjoins us to bring up all our offspring and forbids women to cause abortion of what is begotten or to destroy it afterward. And if anyone appears to have done, she will be a murderer of a child by destroying a living creature and diminishing humankind. All right. The letter of Barnabas, which I actually mentioned last week, says this, you shall not abort a child nor again commit infanticide. So again, a very common teaching among early Christians, was that you do not commit infanticide, you do not do abortion. Um, I want to go over some of these other ones, though. We spend a lot of time on abortion. You shall not cherish a grudge. This is also mentioned in verse 2. This is a hard one for all of us to grasp, because all of us at one point or another have cherished a grudge. We have held on to that grudge. We've held on to that anger. We've held on to that pain. We've held on to that betrayal. But in doing so, we are harming ourselves. So I have a challenge for you this week, just very similar to the homework I gave you last week. If you are holding on to that grudge and that anger, why? Give it to God. Let go and let God, as they say. Don't you hold on to that grudge. In the end, holding on to that grudge is going to hurt you more than that other person. All right, next one. You shall not be double-minded nor double-tongued. Basically, my friends, we need, to, we need to do what we say. One of the biggest things I hear constantly from non-Christians are how hypocritical Christians are. And that's why they believe that Christianity is not real. I know that may seem strange, but look at it from their perspective. Okay? You say you love Jesus but you're hating other people. You say you love Jesus, but you're not helping other people. You say you love Jesus, but you go to Mass when it's convenient. You say you love Jesus, 
but you're not doing what Jesus says, which is to love God and love your neighbor. Remember, Jesus didn't just say, love those who love you. He said, love your enemies. Now, this doesn't mean we have to go up to our enemy and give them a high five and a hug. But we need to see them as someone who is still created in the image of God and give them that love and respect accordingly. That doesn't mean, doesn't mean we need to agree with them. That doesn't mean we have to have a beer with them. It doesn't mean we have dinner with them. But it doesn't mean we don't be double-minded and say we love Jesus, but we hate someone else. What does Jesus say? Forgive. Right? If you forgive those who've hurt you, the fought my Father in heaven will forgive you. So it doesn't matter if you do backflips in church, baptize in the Holy Ghost, whatever the case is. And those are more charismatic things, I get it. It doesn't matter how much you serve in church. It doesn't matter how many ministries you're involved in. If you're not forgiving your brother, probably not forgiving yourself. Those who have been forgiven much need to forgive my friends. Listen what verse chapter 2, verse 3 of the Didache says in regard to this. For the double tongue is a snare of death. Remember, these are the two chapters on the way of life and the way of death. This manual that we call the Didache, this early church manual, this first catechism, if you will, is telling Christians how to live. And this is a way not to live. Being double-tongued is a way not to live. It's the way that you will die. It's the way that you're going to perish. And I may be speaking some hard truths today to someone out there because Didache gives us some hard truths. It's calling us to repentance. It's calling us to embrace the way of life, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. It's warning us against the paths, not against the paths not to go down. Because this oral tradition that we have that has been handed on to us in this early church manual is telling us the way to eternal life. Now you notice here what I find interesting. Is that it says nothing about faith alone here. Now, faith obviously is a very it's a central tenet of our faith. You are saved by faith. But with what comes along with that faith is a responsibility to act on that grace, that to act on what Jesus has told us to do. Because if we don't, we are being double tongued. If we say that we are Christians and I believe in Jesus Christ through faith alone. And as Martin Luther said, if you're going to sin, sin gloriously. He's leading people. You're going down the wrong path. You're going down that way of death. Hope that makes sense to someone listening out there. Didache chapter 2, verse 4. Your word shall not be false or empty, but fulfilled by action. So compare with this. Our Lord Jesus Christ says in Matthew 12, verses 36-37. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So here the Didache is saying, 
idle is a word that is not fulfilled by action. Go back to the book of James, St. James. You say you have faith. That's great. Through my works, I'll show you my faith. There is more Catholic teaching in this small book of the Didache than meets the eye. And to be honest, this is what I was in seminary at Liberty, and I studied church history. We did not go over this book, and maybe that's why. I don't know. Because I think if we went over this book, some of my fellow uh, seminarians there would have been, hey, what happened to faith alone? What happened to the... What happened to the five solas? You know, scripture alone, faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone, for God's glory alone. Because so far in two chapters, we haven't seen that. We have the way of life, the way of death. Fulfill the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then don't do this, don't do this, don't do this if you say you're a Christian. Because if you do, it's the way of death. And what is the way of death spiritually? It is damnation. The way of life is that beatific vision with our Lord Jesus Christ for all eternity. Dedicate chapter 2, verse 5. You shall not be avaricious, nor a plunderer, nor a hypocrite, nor ill-tempered, nor proud. So we're warned against pride. We're warned against living in anger. We're warned against hypocrisy. We're warned against being a thief. All this stuff, all of this leads to death. Verse 6, powerful. Chapter 2, verse 6. You shall not entertain an evil design against your neighbor. My friends, this includes gossip. We love gossip, don't we? I know someone as they're listening to this right now is probably on Facebook engaging or on the social media or anywhere else engaging in some kind of gossip. Did you hear what so-and-so said? Did you hear what so-and-so said? Did you hear what they said? My friends, that's gossip. There's always going to be gossip among us. But gossip, when it comes to us, needs to die. It needs to end there because if we engage in it, we are harming someone's character. We are defaming them. We're bearing false witness. The Didache says it's the way of death. But it's all around us, so we think it's commonplace. So we think it's it's okay. He said, she said. Someone will come to you with something. You don't have to spread it. You could try to set the record straight if you know the facts. But if you don't know the facts, you don't have to pass it on. All right, chapter 2, verse 7. You shall not hate any man, but some you shall reprove, and for others you shall pray, and others you shall love more than your life. The Didache, wow, deep words here. Don't hate any man. Reprove. You, you, you can disagree. You can totally disagree with them. You don't have to be friends with them. You don't have to hang out with them. You don't have to go to happy hour with them. But you are not to hate them. Our Lord Jesus does not hate any man. He loves all. He died for all. We are to emulate our Lord. 
Now, none of us are going to be saviors of the world. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. If we're Christians, we need to pray for those that we don't like, for those in whom we have disagreements, all of those things. We need to pray. We need, and and if we are struggling with that hatred for someone, that is the perfect time to pray. Pray, Lord Jesus, help me with this anger. Help me with this hatred. And it may take some time. It may take a lot of time. But the Holy Spirit will work on you. The Holy Spirit will work on that as long as you're open to it, as long as you are willing to let hold of that grudge and let hold of that anger. And don't get me wrong, with my ex-wife, for those of you who don't know I was married before, I held on to this hatred for a long time because she cheated on me and went to live with someone else. I held on to that hatred for a long time. And it wasn't until about five years ago that I let that go. And I emailed her and said, look, I forgive you. This doesn't mean I want to be friends. And to be honest, I don't even want to talk to you ever again. But I forgive you. And she responded back with, thank you. That means a lot. And that was the last time. That was it. But that weight was lifted off my shoulders. Pray for your enemies. The Didache gives us some very powerful words in this chapter. And this show is fairly short today because chapter two is very short. Um, so I want to encourage you to pull up this document. You can find it online for free. Read through it because you are going to get so many gems out of this book. Just in the first two chapters, we have a perfect way, so perfect, some great and practical advice on how to live the Christian life, which is that it calls it two ways. Again, the way of life and the way of death. All right, guys, God bless you. Next week, we're going to get into chapter three. It's a little longer. Great stuff. So remember, we've seen some great Catholic teaching in the Didache. We haven't even got into the sacraments yet. That's going to blow your mind. All right, God bless, guys. Take care. And support the four persons if you can. Listen to the shows. There's some great shows on here. John Banco, founder, is doing great. Uh, Ken, Ken Litchfield, phenomenal. Um, I've had uh, Ken on my YouTube channel several times. Always drops some knowledge. And then, of course, Luke Haskell, doing phenomenal work over there. Listen to all this great content, guys. We're doing this. Guys, we're not getting paid for this. All right. We're doing this because we love Jesus. We love his church. And we love you. All right. So God bless you. Take care.